This is a big year. The Ohio Lottery's golden anniversary. 50 years of excitement, of growing jackpots and crossed fingers. 50 years of funding for schools, of changed lives and brightened days. 50 years of fun. And that is worth celebrating. So watch for can't-miss promotions, huge events, and new games that will make the Ohio Lottery's 50th year its biggest one yet. Learn more at funturns50.com. Spectrum One is a big deal. You get Spectrum Internet with the most reliable internet speeds, free advanced Wi-Fi for enhanced security and privacy, and a free Spectrum Mobile Unlimited line with nationwide 5G included, all while saving big. For the big speed, big reliability, and big savings you want, get Spectrum One. Just $49.99 a month for 12 months. Visit spectrum.com slash big deal for full details. Offer subject to change. Valid for qualified residential customers only. Service not available in all areas. Restrictions apply. Welcome to True Crime Garage. Wherever you are, whatever you're doing, thanks for listening. I'm your host, Nick, and with me, as always, is a man who wants to breathe that fire again. Ladies and gentlemen, here is the captain. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's good to be seen and good to see you. Thanks for listening. Thanks for telling a friend. This week, we are very excited to be featuring Fire Station number four by the good folks down at the House of Motor Brewing Company in beautiful Miami Dolphins, Florida. Fire Station number four is an American lager crafted for the 100th anniversary of Fire Station number four, described as an American light lager, but its ABV is 4.5%. Garage grade four out of five bottle caps and let's give some thanks and praise to our friends that helped us fill up the old garage fridge this week first up a shout out to connie and prince william county virginia and last but not least we have a double fisted cheers that goes out to the thirst responders in spring hill florida thank you all for going to truecrimegarage.com and clicking on the pint glass which helped us out with this week's beer run yeah b-w-e-w-r-u-n beer run if you'd like to make a donation just go to truecrimegarage.com and click on the beer fund and while you're there sign up for the mailing list and colonel that's enough of the business all right everybody gather around grab a chair grab a beer let's talk some true crime can be pretty difficult to simply disappear. But what if someone really wanted you to? Maybe for them, you are a problem. A big problem. And at the end of the day, isn't that what we all want for our problems? To just simply go away? This week we tell the story of a young mother who vanished. On August 17th, 2006, 32-year-old Brandy Hall was working the night shift at the Malabar Fire Station. Just before 11 p.m., Brandy told her co-workers that she was going home. Her husband says she never showed up. She has never been seen since. The last images of Brandy start at 10.32 p.m from surveillance cameras at the fire station. In the footage, we can see Brandy preparing to leave the station. 
She enters the common area of the firehouse. There are three firefighters sitting on couches, one walking with a bag and another standing by the door. Brandy, wearing a white long-sleeved pullover, engages the firefighter by the door for a few moments. She then walks through the next room alone on her way out to her truck. And then the final image captures the taillights of Brandy's dark green 2002 Chevy Silverado pickup truck, slowly leaving the station's camera frame at 10.50 p.m. The images are chilling because, well, that's it. She's gone. This is True Crime Garage, and this is the missing persons case of Brandy Hall. This week, we are going out to a place called Malabar, Florida. Malabar is a picturesque town brimming with natural beauty nestled on the eastern coast of the Sunshine State. Malabar offers residents and visitors alike a tranquil escape from the hustle and bustle of urban life. This idyllic town boasts a unique blend of residential neighborhoods, parks, and a quaint downtown area, creating a welcoming atmosphere for all. Malabar is a small town with a rural feel to it. It's only about 13 square miles, of which 2.6 square miles are water, and only about 3,000 people live there. There are hiking trails, parks, lots of open spaces, and no tall buildings to speak of. It's one of the few places left in Brevard County that still has some dirt roads. The town has a volunteer fire department but no police station of its own. The day that Brandy Hall disappeared was a warm and muggy day with humidity topping out at 84%. The temperatures reached 89 degrees, but had dropped down to about 75 degrees when Brandy disappeared. Now, we also need to talk about a nearby place called Palm Bay. So you're going to hear a lot of us bouncing back and forth between Malabar, Florida and Palm Bay, Florida, which is pretty much next door to Malabar, but to the west. And before we get into this week's mystery, I want to give a couple of shout-outs here. First to FloridaToday.com and to news columnist and investigative journalist John Torres. He's a reporter who has doggedly followed this Brandy Hall case and worked very closely with some retired detectives. And he covered this story extensively in season three of the murder on the space coast podcast. He did a fantastic job. And I like to cite these sources early in the show here, captain, especially when we have a situation like this week, such great work was done here. Gangbusters work as I like to say. And so we need to give a long distance high five and shout out to John Torres. Now the people involved in this case, There are going to be a lot of people, as we typically see in these cases, that are going to be on the peripheral. However, there are several people that are at the very center of this case. First off, of course, we have our victim, Brandy Hall. She's a devoted mother of two. She is a victim of a mysterious disappearance. Now, keep in mind, she disappears. This is leaving her two small children, both of them ages 10 and under at the time of her disappearance. She was holding a position as a firefighter at the Malabar Fire Department at the time that she went missing. Brandy's skill set defined traditional norms. According to her husband, she embodied the essence of a country girl. And in fact, growing up, Captain, her nickname, and this was a nickname that she was rather fond of, was Redneck. And all of her friends and would say that she did the stuff that the boys did and she could do the stuff that the boys did a lot of times much better than they did riding ATVs, getting in the mud, getting dirty. She liked to work, do construction, things of that nature. So that gives a little bit of background about 
the individual that we are going to be focusing on for this week's case. She was also, as an adult, uh, into welding, fishing, hunting, and sharp shooting. Now, Brandy's story is intertwined with elements of intrigue and controversy. She was married to a former fire chief who had a tarnished record. She and her husband seem to have been entangled in drug-related troubles, and we'll get into the specifics of that as we go through our timeline here today. Simultaneously, she is in a long-standing extramarital affair with a married man. So this further complicates our case. Despite this complexity, Brandy garnered widespread respect within the firefighting community. Her peers agree that she excelled as a firefighter and she was quick-witted and reliable, someone who could always be counted on in times of need. Normally when a woman, a mother, a wife goes missing, the first suspect that law enforcement needs to look at and needs to question to get answers is the husband, Jeff Hall. Jeff Hall and Brandy, they met their paths crossed working for a fire department, okay, while they were both volunteering. Now, Jeff Hall, who is he? Well, he's not just Brandy Hall's husband. He is or was a once distinguished firefighter from the Osceola County Fire Department. Now, his journey in the fire service began at an astonishingly young age as he joined the fire department reserve team in Orange County at age 14. By 1983, he had transitioned to a full-time role as a St. Cloud firefighter, an achievement underscored by his rapid ascent to the esteemed position of fire chief within a mere decade, commanding an annual salary of about $55,000. Now, in 1993, Jeff further solidified his legacy by becoming the youngest individual in the county history to assume the role of head of public safety. Notably, he was the inaugural person to concurrently hold the positions of head of emergency management and fire chief. So he's he's playing both of these roles at the same time with An already impressive track record, Jeff was on the cusp of obtaining the zenith of his career when fate brought him into Brandy's life. Now, we will see, and we discussed briefly, that Jeff Hall is going to find himself into some troubles, and again, we will get into that in our timeline. Now, Randall Richman is another person that we will be discussing at length today. Because he is the longtime boyfriend of Brandy Hall. And it sounds like, Captain, that they may have been seeing each other for nearly 10 years. Flicky, flicky. Leading up to Brandy's disappearance. This is according to Brandy's friends and other firefighters. In fact, the two were referred to by some as Brandall. You know, putting, meshing the two names together. Lame. Randall was the last person believed to have spoken with Brandy. Interestingly, he initially denied having spoken to or seeing Brandy for the past couple of weeks. The timeline here is such key, as it always is, especially in a missing persons cases. But the, the movements of this Randall Richmond are very curious, to say the least. Keep in mind, he's married. Both Brandy Hall, as we discussed She's married to Jeff Hall, and Randall Richmond is married to Anne Marie Richmond. Many times when you have an affair happening, nobody knows about the affair except for the two people that are in the entanglement. But this one, not the case. It seemed like almost everybody knew about the affair, not only the two involved, but both individuals' partners knew about the affair as well. That's what's very interesting in this case and a really hard to decipher having not been directly involved in the situation is who knew what and what exactly did they know. And it sounds to me that there's a little bit of a incestuous 
type of environment going on maybe in some of these smaller fire departments down in this Florida area at this time. These two might not be the only two that were fooling around or running around on their spouse, which makes the case that much more convoluted and very cloudy. And we have no evidence for or against the idea that any of these individuals weren't having multiple affairs. There's rumor of such, but the thing seems to be here, Captain, is that Jeff Hall, I can't say that he fully 100% knew of the affair. It sounds to me like he, he wasn't completely dumb to it. The same thing could be said for Anne Marie Richmond. It sounds like she had her suspicions, but maybe not was unable to confirm those suspicions. But again, we're going to get into all the details of that stuff. Now, we need to point out here, though, that Anne Marie, Randall's wife, she is working at the Palm Bay Hospital. She will play a key role in this timeline as well, which we're going to jump into right now. So this timeline, the reason why we give a shout out to FloridaToday.com is a portion of that is taken from FloridaToday.com. And we've filled in some of the blanks, added to the gaps, and added a lot of detail where needed and even some other stops here on the timeline. Let's go all the way back, Captain, to 1993. So this will be when Brandy and Jeff, her would-be husband, when they first met. So he's a firefighter slash paramedic, and she is a volunteer for the Osceola County where they run calls into rural areas of a place called Hollopow. The pair would marry when Brandy was only 19 years old and Jeff is 30 years of age at this time. In October of 1994, Palm Bay Fire Department hires Brandy Hall as a firefighter and medical technician. She had applied to several fire departments in May of 1994 and then is later hired by Palm Bay on October 10th of that same year. She starts off with a salary of just under $20,000. Now, by all accounts, and this is to put it pretty lightly, she loves it. She loves the job. This is, this is like dream job, right? We see a person who is volunteering their time to go into a career that they've always dreamt of being a member of this career path. So she loves it. Her family says she loves it. Her mom says that her passion was being a firefighter. We're going to fast forward six years to April of 2000. This is when Brandy receives a really cool promotion. She's promoted to driver engineer. She obtains certification as a paramedic. And we should note too, that Brandy is only one of four female firefighters employed by the city at that time. July 2nd of 2005, Brandy Hall's husband, Jeff Hall, former Osceola County Fire Chief. He is arrested and charged with trafficking marijuana. So to fill in the blanks here a little bit, Captain, as we said, Jeff is 11 years older than Brandy. And so while he started his firefighter career at the young age, volunteering at the young age of 14 and rose through the ranks rather quickly, and it sounds like deservedly so, it sounds like this man was well-liked, hardworking, very smart, very good at being a firefighter. He rises to the ranks of county fire chief, and then he retires. Well, him and a buddy decide that, you know what, would be exciting and what would be really cool. We can make a whole lot of money and have this exciting lifestyle. His buddy's name is Paul Hirsch. They decide to go into business together. Well, what business are they going to go into together? That would be the drug business. We're going to go into the illegal drug business. Well, yeah. So his family had this extra 13 acres and they thought, well, we could grow some marijuana. I, I don't know how much they were trying to become rich off this or if it was just something that they were going to try to make a few extra bucks. 
So you're exactly right, Captain, because the stories, don't they vary greatly in this situation? You have some stories where Jeff and his buddy, Paul, are saying, well, this was pretty small operation. This was really kind of just a casual thing that a couple buddies were doing. We got a few seeds from the High Times magazine and decided that we wanted to start cultivating marijuana plants. And then there's other people that say, not so fast, mister, because you had this large property for which you had a facility. You put in all of these resources to set up a rather large grow operation. Yeah. When law enforcement was hitting them with these charges, law enforcement was saying, Hey, this is a extensive operation. This is, you know, kind of complex, but again, there's two sides of that coin, right? Exactly. And, and one part of that coin says law enforcement saying that this is like a, an operation where these two stood to make about a million or so dollars off of their crop. And that would just be one season. Right. If they could get away with that, they could do it season after season. Now, Jeff, to his credit, and I want to be clear here too, these these two individuals are not like some real low-level, low-life, dirty drug users, small-time dealers. Right. This sounds much more to me like guys that had made it in this world and had some extra cash, had some extra space, and I'm not trying to defend them too much because it was incredibly illegal at the time to be doing what they were doing, but Jeff says, look, I kind of just got caught up in this. Like It started off as something casual and recreational. And then I kind of got excited by the idea of living a different lifestyle, making a bunch of money, which back up the truck a little bit, Jeff, pump the brakes on, on wanting to be whatever it is you thought you were going to be. You got a wife and two kids at home. Yeah. And not to defend them, but there's many professions that our society relies on firefighters being one underpaid teachers underpaid nurses underpaid so you could see the lore there and because he's in a small community a lot of these firefighters are connected to law enforcement and and maybe they've heard about other people doing some misdealings and they thought well we can get away with it it's not going to be that big of an operation and one thing we're going to see you want to talk about firefighters being connected to something one thing we're going to see in this case time and time again a lot of our firefighters are tied to construction in this case and i think that's a lot of jeff's background as well so regardless in july of 2005 once a well-respected fire chief jeff hall he's arrested and charged with trafficking marijuana possession with intent to sell plus manufacturing a hallucinogen a few days later brandy hall then surrenders to police on drug charges connected with her husband's marijuana operation this to me is a little cloudy i don't have full understanding of the situation my guess here is captain is that it was no secret to brandy what her husband was doing and what he was up to her level of involvement seems a little dicey to me to try to sort out. But what we do know is she is charged and wanted by police in relation to the charges against her husband. She then turns herself in to the police. Yeah, this situation becomes cloudy with the side of meatballs. Again, two sides of the coin. Law enforcement is saying she had to know what was going on. Uh, she was more involved than she claims she is. And then her story is basically, I didn't know anything about this. So again, two sides to that coin. Whether she knew everything or didn't know anything at all, what this is going to lead to is at the end of that same year, 2005, she's going to lose that job that she loves so much. So she loses her city of Palm Bay firefighting job. Okay. This will require her 
It doesn't technically require her, but she wants so badly to stay in the field of firefighting. That That's her dream job, her dream career. And she just lost that because of this arrest, because of her ties and her husband's drug operation that he was attempting to do. But because she wants to stay in, in firefighting, there's a certain level of training there's a certain level of involvement that you want to keep if you want to continue that career. So very smartly, she decides, you know what? I will go to Malabar Fire Department. They have a volunteer fire department there. I'm going to go there and volunteer so I can continue my training. I can continue working as a firefighter. And maybe once all this mess gets cleared up, I can then resume my career as a paid firefighter with a neighboring city. The evidence keeps pouring in. At this point, the facts are undeniable. It's an open and shut case. Monopoly Go is the most fun you can have in a mobile game. Everyone is still talking about Monopoly Go for a good reason. It is an absolute hit. Millions of people pass go every day because this game is always bringing something new to the table. Like countless crazy tournaments, you can join with your friends as partners or teams. Or timed events, offering bonuses like massive multipliers or rent frenzies to help you get huge rewards. And there's so many rewards to discover. Rare stickers you can trade with friends to complete albums. Delightful emojis to taunt people with when you raid their riches. Unique playing pieces and so much more. The verdict is in. With Monopoly Go, there's something new to discover every time you play. So don't miss out. Go download it now free on the App Store and Google Play. The best part of spring cleaning takeaway is the post-clean clarity you get. It's kind of like when you find out that you've been paying a fortune for wireless. When Mint Mobile has phone plans for $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan. It's time to switch to Mint Mobile. All plans come with high-speed data and unlimited talk and text delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. Use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and bring your phone number along with all of your existing contacts. Ditch overpriced wireless with Mint Mobile's limited-time deal and get three months of premium wireless service for 15 bucks a month. Save a lot of money with Mint Mobile. Get their great mobile wireless service delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. That's premium service at a great price. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash T-C-G. That's mintmobile.com slash T-C-G. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash T-C-G. $45 upfront payment required, equivalent to $15 a month. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speed slower above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. Everyone loves a good family mystery, especially one with as many twists and turns as June's Journey, a hidden object mystery game with a captivating detective story. It takes you back to the glamour of the 1920s with a diverse cast of characters. You'll step into the role of June Parker and search for hidden clues to uncover the mystery of her sister's murder. Use your observation skills to quickly uncover key pieces of information that lead to chapters of mystery danger, and romance, and customize your very own luxurious estate island. Think expansive gardens and beautiful buildings. Collect scraps of information to fill your photo album and learn more about each character. And you can chat and play with or against other players by joining a detective club. Can you crack the case? Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. June needs your help, detective. Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. 
All right, we are back, you filthy animals. Cheers to everybody in the front and everybody in the back. That's right. Pour me one, Captain, so I can cheers everybody in between. Yeah, give you a pint, my friend. That's right. So where we left off, Brandy had recently lost her job, but now she's volunteering for the Malabar Fire Department. Remember, these two locations are practically right next door to one another. Palm Bay is much bigger, and Malabar, as we said, at the time would be a population of about 3,000 people. Well, and this really sucks for her because if she did not know about the dealings of her husband, the misdealings or whatever you want to call them, she is facing consequences for somebody else's actions. Can I throw in just some pure speculation here? Yeah. I have nothing to back, very little to back this up. Again, I, I'm very uncertain to what her involvement was and, and right. frankly, exactly what she was charged with. But we do know her charges stem from ties to this, air quotes, drug operation. And that may just be the simple fact that, oh, her husband's running this. There's no way she didn't know. Maybe we just charge her. But Brandy is very involved in construction, and you will see this a lot of times because of the schedule that firefighters typically work. A lot of them will have a part-time job yeah. or some other gig that they do to add to extra income. Well, and that's why in this case you see firefighters so connected to construction workers because when you're off, hey, here's a job that you can do part-time and they're happy to have the extra help. And there's no way that he's listening to this. So if somebody out there here's this i'm giving a shout out to one of my favorite bartenders of all time disco dean wherever you are cheers to you my friend disco dean that's the nickname <laughs> i gave him is yeah. you know great guy he was a firefighter with columbus great guy bad nickname for many many years and he bartended i believe just one day a week at one of my favorite establishments uh so great guy shout out to him but that's just one example of of firefighters who grab these part-time jobs or they work and have their own small businesses that they can run on their days off because typically you'll work one on two off from my understanding, because your one on is 24 hour shift, right? Brandy's very involved in construction. So my speculation here, captain is, did they have any proof that she helped to build up this land or the area where they were attempting to run this this grow operation out of yeah i'm guessing that they have some phone records and then they have not just phone records but text records as well so it could be a slam dunk case as far as she had some text message between friends or somebody and they they know a hundred percent that she was involved but that that information has never been made public now here captain is where we get into some soap opera Real Housewives of Malabar, Florida type stuff. Yeah, bring so it the, on. This is the juicy details yeah, that some people the juicy, like. juicy. So this is going to be February of 2006. Now, by this time, I'm a little uncertain as to when the affair starts. But as said, the people that knew Brandy best seem to all agree that the affair with Randall Richmond had been going on for years leading up to her disappearance. So by this point... The affair seems to be in full go. Ten years. There are rumors about a heated exchange that took place out in a very public setting. So the rumors are that Brandy Hall and Anne Marie's husband, Richard, those rumors that are going on about the two being involved, this leads to a heated exchange between the two women at the Grant Seafood Festival. It was reportedly ugly and caught and in view of a lot of people yeah. and a lot of people's attention. So reports say that it started when Brandy asked Randall, hey, why are you wearing your wedding ring? He asked Brandy to lower her voice and Brandy just got louder and louder until Randall's wife, Anne Marie, she hears what's going on. She comes over, and then there's an altercation between the two women. Again, this was at the Grant Seafood Festival, February of 2006. Yeah, see, I heard it different. I heard it was 
that Brandy asked the wife, why are you wearing your wedding ring? Because I can have your husband whenever I want to. Oh. So. No one wants to, you don't want to be confronted with that at the seafood festival. No, so that you mentioned earlier, how much did this man, and remember, he was Brandy's boss at one time. Correct. How much did his wife know about this affair? I think she knew all about it. And obviously, when Brandy goes missing and law enforcement is showing up at your door going, hey, we want to know where Brandy's at. And by the way, you were the last person to talk to her. He was downplaying everything. Of course he's going to downplay everything because he probably told his wife multiple times, it's done and over with. We're not we're not a thing anymore. Well, and what's weird too is that Randall Richmond is often referred to as a friend of Jeff Hall's. Now, what my speculation is, Captain, is What that a friend. They they were probably one time friends. And as we just discussed a firefighter schedule, Brandy works for Randall Richmond. They do 24 hours on their overnights together, you know, and, and there, there seems to be, you know, we know with Brandy and Randall, there's a lot going on there, but there's also rumors of this isn't the only affair that's ever happened in a firehouse. Right. And, and look, I'm just going to play some devil's advocate here because is it possible that Brandy's husband went well, she's having this affair, and I know she's having it, or maybe it's on again, off again. Maybe he's not very sure of it, but that would give somebody reason to go, hey, I got these 13 acres. I'm just going to grow a little pot, make a little money on the side, and I don't need to tell her about it because there's stuff in her life that she hasn't told me about. So this is a very messy situation. It's juicy, juicy. Part of me wonders, Captain, is this like a midlife crisis situation for Jeff Hall? Recently retired, maybe late at night, sucking down a couple Budweiser's, sees, catches an episode or two of Weeds on Showtime and decides, yeah. you know what? Sucking on some cold ones. That looks like fun. I'll start up a little a little marijuana operation. Yeah, or maybe he is uh, a big fan of Breaking Bad or something. That's right. So let's get into the day in question. And there's going to be a lot of moving parts and pieces here, so pay attention, folks. This is Thursday, August 17th, 2006. And as we already said, this is going to be a hot and humid day. Temperatures reaching about 89 degrees. By the time that uh, Brandy goes missing or is last seen, it's going to be about 75, 76 degrees. So we'll start off at the 9 p.m. hour. Now we have Randall Richmond. At this time in our timeline, he is the Palm Bay Fire Captain. At 9 p.m., he calls Jeff Hall. Now, why would he call Jeff Hall? He's having an affair with Jeff Hall's wife. He calls Jeff Hall because, again, there's. it's said that they were friends. Jeff Hall is due in court the following day. Yeah. Not to determine if he is innocent or guilty of the drug grow operation charges or not. No. He is due in court to be sentenced. They are going to decide how long he should be in prison for these charges. Well, and just to clear this up, so he was on trial and then he was released and now he's facing his sentence. And so by this time, Jeff Hall has already pled guilty to the charges. And the following day, he's going to be sentenced. Randall Richmond calls Jeff at 9 p.m., this to lend him support. So Jeff considered Randall Richmond a friend. And Randall is telling Jeff, hey, I'll be there tomorrow at your sentencing hearing. What they have is a bunch of character witnesses, right? A bunch of people are going to come forward and say, Jeff Hall's a good guy. I've known him for X amount of years. Yes, he, he did this one bad thing. He did something stupid, but otherwise has le- lived and led a productive life. He's a he's a good citizen, a good civilian, uh, a member of the community, so and so. You know, we see this in in every case that we cover that goes to court. There will be people that come forward to say either a you know victim impact statement. This guy's complete trash, or b this is a good guy. 
maybe the court can be lenient on this dude. He's either trash or class. Randall is calling Jeff and saying, hey, I'll be there tomorrow at your sentencing to tell everybody the good stuff that you've done. And now we're going to go 45 minutes later to 945. This is when Brandy calls home to speak with Jeff and her children. This is to say good night. She tells Jeff on this phone call that she will see him in the morning and that she too will be at the sentencing hearing. He says that they say, I love you. And this captain from my understanding is something that Brandy Hall regularly did. So she works the night shift. Jeff is at home with their two young kids. It was very common, if not every night that she worked because she works overnight. She works the third shift, right? That she would call home, talk to Jeff briefly, get the kids on the phone, tell them good night. They would say their prayers together and then it's bedtime. So this is something she did darn near every night. Now, just after 10 PM, Brandy Hall is last seen. We talked about this in the trailer. It's at 1032 that she's seen preparing to leave the fire station. Yes, and this is on video footage, so we're not guessing this. Right. This this absolutely happened. So this is roughly this is roughly one hour after calling home, talking to Jeff and the kids. So Brandy decides to leave the fire station. Surveillance footage shows her milling around in the common area of the firehouse. This is at 1032 p.m. Then at 10.50 p.m., another camera picks up her truck as it leaves the firehouse parking lot. Phone records indicate Brandy is using her Nextel phone. So why is that important? She actually has two cell phones. One is an AT&T phone and one is a Nextel phone. Which the Nextel phones, if, if people remember back then, was a combination of a mobile phone and a walkie-talkie. Yeah, and... Correct me if I'm wrong. I'm guessing one is work-related and one is personal. That I don't know. The thing here is she's a volunteer. Right. So I don't know the status of those two cell phones. They may both be hers. Right. And again, the Nextel phones back then had that walkie-talkie feature, which for first responders and and. I know this from working security back then in security operations. We used those Nextel phone walkie talkie feature all the time because what was so cool about it was let's say I got a supervisor or somebody, we have an emergency and somebody I need to get a hold of is on vacation or at their home. You know, I work third shift, second shift, first shift. So you would second shift and third shift. You're you, may need somebody that is likely not there, not working at that time. Right. And I remember one emergency that we had. It was really cool. I could hit a button. I didn't have to dial anything or nothing, hit a button and it would, it would beep the individual I needed to get a hold of. And in that case, the individual was several States away. And within a second, I hear a beep back and, I, and I'm now walkie talkie feature talking to that individual. So, she is using her Nextel phone at this time, at 10.50. She's using this Nextel phone to call her cell phone voicemail. She's checking her own messages while she's leaving the station. Yeah, it makes sense. Seems like a common practice, right? From there, it's believed that she went to the Sunoco gas station. She fills up her pickup truck with diesel fuel, and then she makes another call. So after the, leaving the fire station, and the, this is based off of phone records, so this is not in question. These are things that we absolutely know happen. Right. The problem is we don't know what the conversations were. We don't know what the words were. We don't know if it was a heated argument or a casual conversation or just a, hey, how you doing? I love you. I miss you kind of situation. But after leaving the fire station, we know that Brandy... Hall and Randall Richmond exchanged text messages. So this takes place at 10:53 p.m., 10:56 p.m., and 10:57 p.m. But also don't we have him on on a call with her as well? Yes. 
So they had text or spoken on the phone more than 80 times before Brandy leaves the fire station on the night of her disappearance. Okay, repeat that. So they're... Between oh. text and talking on the phone. 80 times in one day. The information I have says 80 times. Now, that seems like a, Excessive. a lot, and it is a lot, yeah. but but there are, I've, I've heard from recorded conversations, detectives stating that they have records saying that the two spoke or traded communications, so either text or phone calls, roughly about 50 times a day on average. Right, so this is not excessive. But it's more than the average. More than the average, but not excessive considering how much communication they had. So according to the information I have, this is based off of phone records, Brandy is the one who texted Randall Richmond at 10.53 p.m. The problem is police have said, we know that they were texting. We don't know what the messages were. Right. So Brandy texts Randall Richmond at 10.53 p.m. Randall then texts her back at 10.56, so three minutes later, and then again the following minute at 10.57. So one from Brandy, two from Randall Richmond. Now we go to 11.06 p.m., August 17th, 2006. Brandy Hall and Palm Bay Fire Captain Randall Richmond talk on the phone for 10 minutes and 46 seconds. That is the last phone record of anyone speaking to Brandy Hall on either of those cell phones right. that she owned. And I don't think it's clear, or at least it, I don't know if it's been stated. Again, correct me if I'm wrong, but do we have record of him reaching out to her after she goes missing? Well, that's what's going to become a problem for Randall Richmond is that it looks like after this call, he doesn't attempt to communicate with her again via text or phone call. Because if you know somebody's missing, you're, there's no reason to contact them because you know what happened to them. It's very fishy. So to reiterate here, Captain, Brandy calls Randall Richmond. She is at, she's parked at the Sunoco gas station at this time. The phone call, as we said, is 10 minutes, 46 seconds. So that's from 11.06 p.m. to 11.17 p.m. that night. Right. We can say that she goes missing right afterwards. She's going to go missing soon afterwards. But I also want to be clear here as we're going through this timeline that there are some gaps. They might be small. And who knows what could happen if anything happened at all during these small little gaps. But there is some wiggle room here in the timeline that things could have happened. She could have stopped off somewhere. And other people are just not being honest with us. But from what we can see, from what Randall Richmond agrees to telling police, from what Jeff Hall agrees to telling police, and what the phone records indicate, and the surveillance footage from the fire station, this is the best that we can piece together her timeline. Now, this is going to take us to 11.48 p.m. This is when Jeff Hall hears from his attorney that his sentencing hearing has been moved up. So remember, he's going to be sentenced the following day. Again, he's pled guilty. So this is not a situation where he's like, I'm not going to prison. I might not go to prison. He's, he's right. about 99.9% .9 sure tomorrow my ass is going to prison. Yeah, and what's important... I have children, and I need their mother around. Correct. Well, and remember, Brandy is supposed to be a character witness, if you will, at his hearing the following day. Right. And so is Randall Richmond and several other people. Now, Jeff Hall says that at this time, he is at home in bed, and he's actually trying to spend as much time with his young children as he can, given the circumstances, so he says they were all lying in bed together and that they all fell asleep watching TV. 
Now, what time they fell asleep, I do not know exactly. But what we do know happens is at 1148 p.m., his attorney calls and says, hey, man, tomorrow, your sentencing hearing, it's going to be a little earlier in the day than we anticipated. Right. So he knows his wife, Brandy Hall, is at the fire station or should be at the fire station working. And so he attempts to get in touch with Brandy because he wants to let her know, hey, tomorrow the sentencing hearing is earlier than expected. And you're one of the people I'm counting on, not just to to put in a good word for me, but as the captain said, somebody's got to watch these kids. Right. Now, the kids will have school the following day because that will be a Friday, but he attempts to reach out to Brandy and he he's unable to get a hold of her at this time. So he calls Brandy at 11:48 PM. There's no answer. He then tries her next tell again, and then there's no answer. So he tries both cell phones. No answer at 11:48. Now let's fill in everybody in on what Brandy's plans were. So remember we said that she's involved in construction. So she owns a piece of equipment called a skid steer. Now, I don't know if it's, I can't speak for other locations, but I can say for here in Ohio, Captain, you and I would typically look at that piece of equipment, that machine and say, oh, that's a bobcat. You know, this is like a, it looks like a, a one person, very small bulldozer for a lack of a better term, right? A front loader. Right. And it technically, the machine is a skid steer front loader. We typically refer to them as Bobcats up here because one of the biggest brands and and best selling brands of that machine is the Bobcat brand. So he's got to get in touch with his wife for obvious reasons, but it's much more important that he gets in touch with her because he knows, Jeff knows that oftentimes after Brandy gets done with her shift, she will go and either do welding early in the morning or she will operate her skid steer and do some work. So the plan from what he understood was that she was doing a bobcat job earlier that day. But due to weather conditions, she decided that she was going to resume some of that work the following morning and then get cleaned up and go to the sentencing hearing. So he wants to make sure he gets in touch with her because her first stop after work might not be to come home. Well, and like you said, this is very important. I mean, he needs her there in court. He needs her also there to do her motherly duties because she is going to be the only parent. And he calls several times and he calls both phones and no reply. That is going to lead us to the stroke of midnight, which is actually kind of a rough time right here. It's a roundabout time. And you'll see why here in just a second. But the records state that at midnight, the following occurred. So military time, I guess all zeros on the clock, right? This is when Jasmine Campbell files a tip, a tip that unfortunately seems to get misplaced for, I believe one year or so. Okay. So to give a little background here, Jasmine Campbell is a police officer and she is working her job that night. But by this time, her shift is technically over, but she spotted something and decided to fill out the tip form, call it in, what have you. She reports this information after her shift is over. So you're never really off the clock when you are a first responder. You always have a job to do. And so she's just doing her due diligence and she files this report. Now, what she says is that she had seen a fire captain's vehicle parked at a Hess gas station. This is just moments before she saw Brandy's truck nearby. So she knows this truck, right? It's a dark green, large 2002 
Chevy Silverado. And it sounds to me, Captain, like when she sees this truck, immediately she is of the idea that it's this is probably Brandy Hall's truck. Right. Okay. So she sees this truck sitting and it's in the back. So the it's in the back of a Home Depot. So for, I don't know, do we have Home Depots in every state in this country? I think so. Okay. So yeah, it's one of those large box stores, uh, do it yourself, home improvement type stores. So her truck is parked behind this business. And this is obviously not during the hours of operation. So of course her police mind is going to be curious as to, well, what's going on over there. So she drives by to see what's up, to check on the situation, and she sees this truck, and here's what she says. So she says she drove out to the back of the Home Depot where they sell trees and stuff like that, and she saw this big pickup truck. So she goes down there. She says the driver was a lady that had long blonde hair and that there was another person in the vehicle with her, with the driver. She calls in the tip and that tip includes that she had spotted previously spotted a Palm Bay fire. This is where, this is where things get incredibly murky. There's many different sources on this case. We cited two at the top of the show, but when I review all the sources here, captain, I get kind of a different detail in each one. So some of the reports, the sources state that Ms. Campbell saw a fire chief's suburban. Others state that a fire captain's vehicle. Right. And others state a fire supervisor's vehicle. I don't know what is true. My guess here is that it's probably the fire captain's vehicle because that seems to be the one that's reference the most but to be clear i don't think we have video footage of brandy's vehicle or this fire chief or fire fire vehicle however you want to describe it i don't think either one is caught on video footage correct we don't have video footage all we have is this report from this officer that from my understanding was uh in in some of the reporting she's on patrol at the time I believe she was actually just leaving her, just finished her patrol for the night and had spotted this shortly after her shift had ended. Regardless, this is what she sees, right? She sees a vehicle that she describes that the description matches that of Brandy Hall's. She states that the driver was a lady who matches, vaguely matches Brandy Hall's description, a lady that had long blonde hair. Now she states that there's another individual in the truck with the driver. She calls this in. This might be just as simple as, you know, this vehicle's kind of parked in a suspicious spot around midnight. Hey, just in case the place gets broken into, I probably should call this in. Right. But it doesn't sound like there's a whole lot of investigative work going on. And maybe she didn't feel in the situation that, that it was necessary, but it does say in the report that the, fire officer's vehicle was secured and there's nobody in it. And the vehicles nearby this other parked vehicle where we have two persons in it. And I don't think it's a big leap to say, Hey, there's a chance that whoever was driving that fire supervisor's vehicle might be one of the two people in this truck that's found nearby. Yeah, I agree with you. I don't think that would be a giant leap. Yeah, we're not in the business of making giant leaps here in the garage. We haven't done our stretches yet. That's right. Uh, But now, as we stated in the trailer, keep in mind, all of this activity that's happening, this is all the night before Jeff Hall is to be sentenced for a crime that he willingly admits that he is guilty of. So there's no question that he's going to get some kind of punishment. So all this activity is leading up to the following day where Brandy is a mother of two children. She's going to go missing. She goes missing sometime this night. 
So now Jeff and her have two children, and it looks like to me, Captain, all within a short period of about just 12 hours, two young kids are hurricaned into a situation where one parent vanishes and the other is incarcerated. So much more to get to. Join us for the next episode back here in the garage. And for everything True Crime, check out truecrimegarage.com. And don't forget, you can check out our contact information on the website as well. And I'm talking to you. If you are a member of law enforcement or a first responder and you have a case from your jurisdiction that you would like for us to feature here on True Crime Garage, go to truecrimegarage.com and reach out to us. We want to help. Yeah, and until next episode. Be good, be kind, and don't litter. Spectrum One is a big deal. You get Spectrum Internet with the most reliable internet speeds, free advanced Wi-Fi for enhanced security and privacy, and a free Spectrum Mobile Unlimited line with nationwide 5G included, all while saving big. For the big speed, big reliability, and big savings you want, get Spectrum One. Just $49.99 a month for 12 months. Visit spectrum.com slash big deal for full details. Offer subject to change. Valid for qualified residential customers only. Service not available in all areas. Restrictions apply.